0: Recorded live.
3: Into the clouds, they would go. If it was I cold, the speed, they would die alone. As the strength was thirsty, the higher the, the, the fire, they complained with the heat, but they fed in the fire. the air, the flames, and the fire, and
4: song, but I won't do that. Let's just go in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we praise you and worship you, Lord. We thank you for this good day, a day of celebration, a day of remembrance, a day of importance to you. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, that you have made us aware of this day of Parent because we were not told it in our society, nor by the churches of men, but it is written in the Holy Scriptures. Thank you, Father, for letting us know and teaching us about term and its significance to your people of all ages. We ask you, Lord, to please bless and anoint these services and give me strength to declare your word and may your will and your spirit prevail in this service from beginning to end unhindered and uninterrupted in Jesus' holy name and unquenched in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. But well, we're going to be reading in the book of Esther, of course. And
2: we're going to be reading today straight from the Alpha and Omega Bible. If you don't have a copy of the Alpha and Omega Bible there with you, a print edition, you can very, very quickly pull it up on the internet at Alpha and Omega Bible dot Ministries. Dot com The address again is Alpha Omega Bible. All one word, no spaces in between the words. All small letters, or really it don't
4: matter if you put some big letters or small letters, it doesn't matter. But it's just simply no spaces, Al- and no periods, no commas, nothing. Just all these letters together: Alpha Omega Bible. Dot. I saw the light ministries. Dot com. Then you can download the Bible there, and if you're still downloading, you can catch up with us
2: uh, during the sermon and Shannon is reading the book of Esther with us. We're
4: going to, God willing, read all the book of Esther together on this day of time. <coughs> I want to make sure that I'm still connected here because the ear was telling me
2: that I got, that I got disconnected, but it doesn't
4: seem. It's looking up, oh, she did. So it may maybe not connected. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, disconnected internet, but I'm probably still connected over the phone. But I have more than one connection to worry
2: about because it's over the phone and the internet at the same time, so I have to
4: make sure that both is working. And it's also recorded for future reference. It says internet and it's too good the level of the internet connection. Uh, uh, bear with me for a minute here. Saying the internet signal this week. Put on another song. And we'll put on a song. And if you're listening, if you can hear us, if you're
2: uh, listening live, then uh, you'll be able to listen to the song while I connect. And we'll probably get disconnected, and then I'm going to. Uh, sign up, right I So, if you get disconnected, give me a minute and then reconnect, please.
3: They make the that we do to a
4: We've got the internet connection fixed. Uh, And so we're going to be reading the book from the Book of Esther, as I said. And hopefully, you have the Alpha and Omega
2: Bible with you. That is a translation of the scriptures. And if you don't have a hard copy, you can download it really quickly and for free at the web address of Alpha Omega Bible dot I saw the light ministries dot com. Again our address is Alpha Omega Bible. I saw the light ministries dot com. And we're reading today from the book of Esther
4: and we're going to try to read the whole book of Esther since it's just a short book uh, for this first day of term. Now the first thing that we need to recognize is that the word Esther is not her original name. Her name was actually, and I may pronounce it a little bit wrong, but it was basically
2: Hatasha or Hadasha. H A D A S S A again it's H-A-D-A-S-S-A-H if you have the Alpha and Omega Bible it already has that written in there for you Uh, that was what her name actually was and somewhere down the line it's been switched to Esther now chapter 1 verse 1 you see there between verse 1 and verse 2 in the Alpha and Omega Bible is uh, a really large section uh, that you would consider usually like several verses long in length that does not appear in most of your traditional Western modern Bibles. Does not appear in King James Version or New American Standard or NIV or New King James or anything like that. But these verses were in. The oldest Bibles, the oldest, most complete Bibles that we have on earth, uh, those ancient manuscripts, codexes that we have, and the Greek Saturday that Jesus and the apostles used in the Bibles that existed during the times of Jesus, this was there. And mankind has taken it out. And so that's why we're going to be reading the book of Esther from the Alpha and Omega Bible, which restores these verses. And as we go along this book, uh, I will also be making a few corrections to uh, this translation uh, that I published because this is an ongoing work. Uh, It's not perfect. I've never claimed for it to be perfect yet. It's an ongoing work, and we'll continue to edit it, perfect it, to get it where it needs to be. So uh, I encourage you to have an ink pen with you, and we'll make some corrections as we go along today. In verse 1, it says, In the second year of the reign of Ekhashvarosh. And that is pronounced like this, if you want to write this down. A K H dash A S H dash V A with a line over the A dash V O with a line over the O S H Akhash
4: hash -hash Akhash
2: rosh the Great King on the first day of Nisan, that is, Nisan was what was the Babylonian Assyrian name of the first month of the year. That's not God's name that he gives the months, because God calls the months month one, month two, first month, second month, so forth. But in the Babylonian Assyrian calendar, it was called Nisan or Nisan. Mordecai, the son of Jarius, the son of Simarus, the son of Cassius, the tribe of the tribe of Benjamin. So he was not of the tribe of Judah, but the tribe of Benjamin. And the tribe of Benjamin was the tribe that uh, coexisted with Judah in what the Bible calls the house of Judah. The northern ten tribes was the house of Israel, and the southern two tribes was Benjamin and Judah, and they were both called the house of Judah. So in that sense, he was a Jew because he was from the house of Judah, being those two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, But he wasn't actually from the tribe of Judah. But it says a Jew dwelling in a city, Shusha or Sasa, however that's pronounced, I'm not for sure. But that is a city in Iran. We know for a fact that the location of that town was and is still today in the nation of Iran. It's very important when we study the book of uh, Hatasha or Hadassah, Esther, that we understand that the child of Benjamin and the Jews, the house of Judah, those two tribes, were servants, even slaves, under captivity to the Persian, Medo-Persian Empire, which was the empire directly after the Babylonian Empire. They were captive. They had been taken captive by this Persian-Iranian empire. In that city in Iran, a great man, there was Mordecai, the great man serving in the king's palace, saw a vision. He saw a vision that God gave him. Now he was of the captivity which Nebelazer, king of Babylon, had carried captives from Jerusalem to Iran. Uh, with Jalcolias, the king of Judea. And this was his dream, or his vision. Behold, voices and a noise, thunders and an earthquake, turmoil upon the earth, and behold, two great servants, which is symbolism, because this is a prophetic dream or prophetic vision, And in Prophetic Dreams and Visions, uh, a lot of everything that you see in the Prophetic Dreams and Visions are symbolisms. So two great serpents came forth, both ready for conflict, and there came from them a great voice, and by their voice, every nation was prepared for battle even to fight against the nation of the just. And behold, a day of darkness and blackness, tribulation and anguish. Now, we're going to edit that word anguish and change it to the word wrath. And I know you ain't got much room there, but you could uh, draw a line from there over to the top or the bottom of this paragraph if you want it to and then write the word wrath or try to fit it in between the lines. Because when you look at the Greek word for anguish there, because we are reading from the Greek Citudian, this is the Alpha and Omega Bible, which is based on the Greek Citudian, rather than the evil Assyrian Antichrist text. Uh, Look at the Greek for anguish, it can be translated wrath, uh, it's just different ways of saying the same thing. We're, ch- we're not changing the meaning. Wrath and anguish. Anguish is the same thing. Different English words to say the same thing. The same is true with all, all, all languages. Every language. Every language on earth. You can use multiple words. For the same thing so it's not twisting it what it's doing is getting the meaning more accurate to understanding in our language and so if you're looking at tribulation and wrath and a day of darkness and blackness and gloominess this in one sense is talking about the end time great tribulation and wrath.
4: Now, even though the first primary fulfillment
2: was in Esther's lifetime in Mordecai, and it was fulfilled first time in a foreshadowing sense, thousands of years ago. Nevertheless, as we have uh, talked about previously in other sermons, Old Testament prophecy foreshadows
0: in time
2: prophecy, even if it's already been fulfilled, that there is a repeat of history and of prophecy, that prophecy is dual. So, Yes, it's talking about what is going to be talked about in the book of Esther, about uh, two people, when it says the two serpents here, the two great serpents, in one sense is talking about the two men that were plotting to kill the king of that day and that time, and that Mordecai was alerted to that, and Mordecai alerted the king and the attempt the assassination attempt by those two men was prevented. But, in another sense, in the end time, in our time, it's symbolically referring to what
4: people call the Antichrist and the false prophet. And the book of Revelation says that John saw
2: unclean spirits come out of their mouths of the false prophet and the Antichrist. So this is uh, another way of saying that the serpents, that they are serpents, that they are demons, that they are demonic people, demonic beings. Now, of course, we're actually going to have three because you're going to have the son of perdition, which is the president of Syria, and you're
4: going to have both of the popes,
2: most likely,
4: but both of the popes are symbolized by uh
2: the two horns of one creature because they walk in unity uh basically, you could say the two popes is the one Vatican with two horns, they both share. The office of the false prophet. They both share the office of a pope. And so, even though you have two popes, it is symbolized or spoken about in a sense of being one because they're both in the same office, the same Vatican. So, you could basically say that the false prophet is the Vatican, which has the two horns of the two popes, if that makes more sense to you that the two circuits would be the center tradition and the Vatican. And they came forth, reading from where it says the two great circuits, that they came forth, both of them ready for conflict. They came from them a great voice. By their voice, every nation was prepared for battle. So that is a foreshadowing of, in our day and time, how You're going to have Gog and Magog and a great confederation, a multitude of armies, a multitude of nations to come against Israel at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And then at the end of the Tribulation, you're going to have all the nations of the earth gathered together on the day of the battle of Armageddon against Jerusalem and against Jesus and the army of the Lord. So it's all nations on earth. Now, in that day and time, what you're going to read here in the book of Esther is that uh, the Persian Empire was very, very vast throughout many different provinces. It was a very expansive land region that the Persian Empire patrolled. So, in one sense, in the first sense that was already fulfilled, every nation is talking about all those different provinces that they had invaded, that they had patrolled and taken control of. And uh, so you could say it's Lebanon, it's Syria, it's Iran, it's Iraq. It's all those lands that are many nations that was under the one empire of the Persian Empire. That were all of them under the evil man Haman was going to uh, attack the one nation of the Jews of Benjamin and Judah but in the end time there's going to be many nations across the earth against the nation of Israel but not only the nation of Israel but uh, all the tribes of Israel amen just like uh, Mordecai and Esther didn't represent just the tribe of Judah but also the tribe of Benjamin so they were representing two tribes there And we, today, uh, are not going to be in a war just between one group and one group, but nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, and nations against nations. And it's going to be a world war. So then it says here that uh, every nation was prepared for battle, even to fight against the nation of the just. And behold, a day of darkness and blackness, tribulation and wrath. uh, affliction, or actually, let's see, the word that I'm going to use there is,
4: uh, let me get my note right there. I'll be right there. I forgot to write it down on paper, but uh it's going to be oh I've written it down whatever it is I've already got it uh
2: edited in a format to where I will upload it to the internet later, so then you will be able to uh see the correction on that word here in a few weeks, uh, maybe a week or two or less, when I can upload, then you can recheck that word affection or affliction. It's actually something else. Uh, But you can check it here the next time that I upload the Alpha and Omega Bible. And turmoil upon the earth. And all the righteous nation was troubled, fearing their own afflictions, and they prepared to die. And cry to Theos, Alpha and Omega. And from their cry, There came, as it were, a great river from a little fountain, even much water. So in one sense it's talking about that the people were going to be uh, crying a whole lot because of this plot against them, to exterminate them, to commit genocide against the Israelites, against the Jews and the tribe of Benjamin. And the same is going to happen in our day and time that, that the Israelites are going to be in much, much uh, desperate situation, in much tears and crying. It's going to be a horrible time upon the earth. The fact is that the devil is waging genocide against God's people, the nations that he has chosen to represent him to be the first evangelists to the world. The fact is the nation of Israel, all 12 tribes, were the first congregation upon the earth. They were the first ministers, the first pastors, the first evangelists, that is, of the truth that we know of written in scripture and the devil is trying to stamp out the people of the Bible they call the South in the United States the Bible Belt but we can expand the Bible Belt to all of America and to all the Israelite tribes of today in the physical sense the fact is that the bloodlines of Israel is important to God even now, even in the great tribulation and wrath to come. The Bible does say that he will seal 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel after the sixth seal, before the seventh seal. If God seals 12,000 of each tribe of Israel, then how can we say that the bloodlines are not important to God? It is. at a very disgusting, evil, false accusation against me this morning before I even got up out of bed. That I was chasing bloodlines against the will of God, against the spirit of God. But that is a tongue of false condemnation, false accusation, which I condemn and rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. People who think they speak with the Holy Ghost but speak with a forked tongue. Amen. And they are rebuked in Jesus' name. I will continue to preach the truth about who Israel is and who Gog Magog is because it is a tremendous, important key to understanding end-time prophecy and what is going to happen. What is written in the scriptures is written for all people of all colors of all tribes to understand what is going to occur in your lifetime. It's important. And I will not allow my mouth to be shut up, but I will speak the truth in love that you may learn and others may learn and others may learn and understand the scriptures rather than for the people to be drawn away from the truth by all these horrible websites that spread all across the internet and books and magazines and everything
4: that are teaching people wrong and leading people away from the truth. The truth must be told. And so it says here that there will be much crying, even
2: like a great river from a little fountain and even much water. But that also represents that out of these tears shall come victory and a washing and a cleansing that Jesus will come as the river of water. So it's symbolism of the great tribulation and the wrath of our time to transfer into the kingdom of God. For weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, and he will wipe away all our tears, and he will be the river of life and the tree of life. Then it says that the light and the sun arose, and that means the end of the darkness of the wrath and the great tribulation, and the new beginning with Jesus here on earth as our King of kings, the Lord of lords. And in the, uh, after the millennium and after the hundred years, once we get into the new heaven and new earth, he will be the light thereof. And we will no longer have a need for lamp or the sun or the stars or the moon, for he himself shall be the light thereof. And so it represents coming out of the tribulation and darkness and crying, into the abode of God. Amen. And the lowly shall be exalted. Amen. Praise God. And it says that these things, the water and the sun and the light, devoured the honorable. So we're going to edit that word devoured and change it to engulfed. Because what it is saying is that the lake afar The very presence of God unquenched and unheld back will devour everything on earth and engulf even the saints that we shall dwell in his presence and he shall be the light thereof. It won't destroy the saints because we will be turned to eternal spirit, but it will destroy the wicked that we will live
4: in his presence and be engulfed by his presence. Amen. Then it says, and Mordecai, who had seen this vision and what Theo's Alpha and
2: Omega desired to do, having awoke, so it was a dream, kept it in his heart and desired by all means to interpret it, even tonight. And Mordecai rested quiet in the palace. We're still in chapter 1, verse 1 of Esther. Rested quiet in the palace with, however we pronounce these, Gabriel and Torar. These are the two serpents, the king's two chamberlains, Enochus, who guarded the palace. And he heard their reasoning. And searched out their plans and learned that they were preparing to lay hands on King Akashverosh. And he informed the king concerning them. And the king examined the two chamberlains, and they confessed and were executed. And the king wrote these things for a memorial. Also Mordecai wrote concerning these matters. And the king commanded Mordecai to attend in the palace and gave gifts for their service. And Hanan, the son of Amadates the uh, Buglian, was honorable in the sight of the king, and he endeavored to hurt Mordecai and his people because of the two chamberlains of the king. In other words, it was revenge. Hanan wanted revenge. These two chamberlains that were uh, plotting to assassinate the king were friends and associates of Hannah. Now, it says, and it came to pass after these things. But we're going to edit that, that phrase, and it came to pass after these things. And we're going to change and edit and perfect and improve that phrase to be more accurate to what it means and to what it says in the Greek. And so the new phrase is these words came to pass. These
4: words came to pass in the days of Akash So what you're about to read in the following verses here
2: and into the next chapter is a more a detailed account of what we just read, so it's not the event occurring twice, but rather that it is written twice, you have a summary that happens throughout the Bible, a summary and then a detailed from this point on a detailed uh, account of what happened. so these words came to pass in the days. Of Akashrabosh. Uh, and this king, he ruled over 127 provinces from India. So, it like I said, it stretched throughout the Middle East through many nations. It would have covered what is today uh, Lebanon and Israel and Iraq and Iran and Syria and many other nations. And verse 2 In those days, when King Akhash verosh was on the throne in the city of Shusha, which is in Iran. Verse 3 In the third year of his reign, he made a feast to his friends and the other nations that he was ruling, and perhaps to allies, and to the nobles of the Persians and Medes, and the chief of the satraps or lieutenants, or military rulers, or government rulers. Verse 4, and after this, after he had showed showed to them or had shown to them the wealth of his kingdom and the abundant glory of his wealth during 180 days. And I say, and you can just cross out the word I say in verse 5. Just cross out the words I say. When the days of the marriage feast were completed, the king made a banquet to the nations who were present in the city six days in the court of the king's house, which was adored with hangings of fine linen and flax on cords of fine linen and purple, fashioned to golden and silver studs on pillows of Parleanian marble and stone, and there were golden and silver couches on a pavement of emerald stone and of pearl and of Parleanian stone and woven warped coverings, variously flired, having roses worked around about. Seven, and silver cups and a small cup of carbonica, whatever
4: that is, it may just be another word for a goblet.
2: Set out on the
4: value of the value of 30,000 talents, abundant and sweet wine, which
2: the king himself drank. And this banquet was not according to the appointed law, so, but so that the king would have it. In other words, it wasn't an official holiday of the government, but it was just something that the king said, let's do this. So that is a foreshadowing right there that term wasn't commanded by our king. But nevertheless, as far as like it was an official law that we must do this. But nevertheless, it was the king's will. And nevertheless, it is our king's will as well. Our king's will. So not a point at law, but so that the king would have it. In other words, what the king wanted, his will. And he charged the stewards to perform his will and that of the company. Also uh, King I mean Queen Va- how would you say her name, Brittany? Vesta Vasti. So uh also Vasti the Queen made a banquet for the women in the palace where King Akas Veros dwelt. Now, on the seventh day, now we don't know whether that means the seventh day of the week or the seventh month for the seventh day of the occurrence or what it means. We should not jump to conclusion that it's on the seventh day of the week. It can mean the seventh day of the month, seventh day of the week, seventh day of the, of the account of what's occurring. So we don't know for sure. But on a seventh day, the king, being married told Haman and Bazar and Therah and Barzeah and Zappala and Abartaz and Theodah, the seven chamberlaves, servants of the king Akhash varosh 11. To bring in the queen to him, to enthrone her, to set her on the throne, and to crown her with the diadem, meaning to put the crown on her head, and to show her to the princes and her beauty to the nations, for she was beautiful. Twelve. But Queen Vasta hearkened not to him to come with the chamberlains. so the king was grieved and angered. I do remember something written in the New Testament where people were called to the marriage feast and some people refused to go. And so then also says here that the king was grieved and angered. In verse 13, he said to his friends, Thus has Vasta spoken, pronounce therefore upon this case law and judgment. So Acres and Sartarias and Marisal, the princes, the Persians, and Medes who were near the king, who sat chief in the rank by the king, drew near to him, and reported to him, according to the laws, how it was proper to do, to Queen Vasta because she had not done the things commanded of the king by the chamberlains, And Mertius said to the king, let's see, yeah, then to the princess that Queen Vasta had not wronged the king only, but also all the king's rulers and princes, for he has told them the words of the queen and how she disobeyed the king as then said he, she refused to obey King AkkhaHroshi, so this day shall the other ladies of the chiefs of the Persians and empires, having heard what she said to the king, dare in the same way to dishonor their husbands. If then it seemed good to the king, let him make a royal decree, and let it be written according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, and let him not alter it. And let not the queen come in to him any more, and let the king give her royalty to a woman better than she. And let the law of the king, which he shall have made, be widely proclaimed in his kingdom. And so shall all the women give honor to their husbands, from the poor even to the rich. And the saying pleased the king and the princes. And the king did as Munches has said, and sent into all his kingdom through the several provinces according to their language, in, in order that men might be feared in their own houses. That word feared, I'm going to put in italics or in uh, attreventies, beside the word feared, after the word feared, I'm going to put in italics the word reverence or with reverence. It's not talking about that they wanted the woman to be the women to be uh, in bondage or slavery or oppressed or really and truly fearful of the men. That was not their goal. That was not their intent. That was not their heart. It was not as cruel as a lot of people today uh, would jump to conclusion. But rather, they were trying to uh, have honorable homes, honorable society, honorable kingdom. She did break the law, which was punishable by law, and she was set a horrible example to all the women and all the people. And this is kind of fear of reverence, the same kind of fear we have of God, the same kind of fear we have of our parents and our grandparents. It's reverence, fear, fear of reverence. Chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, and after this, the king's anger was pacified, and he was no more. Uh, he no more mentioned uh, Vasta, bearing in mind what, but bearing in mind what she had said and how he had condemned her. Then the servants of the king said, "Let there be sought for the king chaste and beautiful young virgins, and let the king appoint local governors in all the provinces of the kingdom." And let them select fair and chaste young damsels, and bring them to the city of Susa, into the women's apartment. And let them be consigned to the king's chamberlain the keeper of the women. And let things for purification and other attendants be given to them. And let the woman who shall please the king be queen instead of Asta. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now there was a Jew in the city Susa in Iran, and his name was Mordecai, the son of Jairus, the son of Cimarus, the son of Cassius, of the child of Benjamin, who had been brought a prisoner from Jerusalem, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried into captivity. And he had a foster child, daughter of Amadad, his father's brother. So this would make Esther his first cousin. And her name was Hadassah, not Esther. Hadassah. And when her parents were dead, he brought her up for a wife for himself. And the damsel was beautiful. And because the king's ordinance was published, many damsels were gathered to the city of Susa under the hand of God and Esther was brought to God, Hadasha was brought to God, the keeper of the women. And the damsel pleased him, and she felt favor in his sight, and he hastened to give her the things for purification, and her portion, and the seven maidens appointed her out of the palace. He treated her and her maidens well in the women's apartment. But Hadasha. Revealed, it should say, rather than discovered. Same thing, it's just a better way of saying it to where we understand it better. But Hadassah revealed not, revealed not, her family nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her not to tell. But Mordecai used to walk every day by the women's court to see what would become of Hadassah. Now, this was the time for a version to go into the king. When she should have preferred, uh, fulfilled twelve months. But so is the days of purification fulfilled. Six months while they were anointing themselves with oil first, and six months with spices and women's purifications. And then the damsel goes into the king, and the officer to whosoever he should give the command will bring her to come in with him from the women's apartment to the king's chamber. This is the way it is done. Verse 14, she enters in the evening and in the morning she departs to the second women's apartment where uh, Gaius, Gaius, the king's chamberlain, is keeper of the women, And she goes not into the king again until she should be called by name. And when the time was fulfilled, the Hadasha, the daughter of Amadad, the brother of Mordecai's father, to go in to the king. She neglected nothing which the chamberlain the women's keeper had commanded. For that hopeful Hadasha found grace in the sight of all that looked upon her. Verse 16. So Hadasha went in to King Akash in the twelfth month, which is Adar, in the seventh year of his reign. Now, this is occurring six years before the main event. So this is not all occurring in the same month or even in the same year. From this point to the end of this book, there's a six-year time frame that all this occurs, or at least that's the way that it's written unless we've got some scribal uh, mistakes in the manuscripts but it seems to be a, a, a time period of six years passing by here. Verse 17. And the king loved Hadassah, and she felt favor beyond all the other virgins. And he put on her the queen's crown. And the king made a banquet for all his friends and great men for seven days. And he highly celebrated the marriage of Hadassah and he made a release to those who were under his dominion. He let some people go, it seems like that. Verse 19, Mordecai served in the palace. Verse 20, now Hadassah had not revealed her kindred, it should say, revealed her kindred, she had not revealed her kindred, for so Mordecai, Mordecai commanded her to fear Theos, Alpha, and Omega and to keep his commandments. Same thing, perform, keep, do, obey, different ways of saying the same things, but I'm going to edit it to say keep his commandments. As when she was with him, with Mordecai, and Hadassah changed not her behavior or manner of life. So Hadassah continued to keep the commandments, the Sabbath day, the holy days, all the laws that had been established by God at that time. By that time, she remained faithful to the almighty Alpha and Omega. In other words, she did not adopt the pagan ways. She did not let her fame or her riches or her position change her heart, her mind, or her life. She remained true to
4: who she was and to her God. Amen. In verse 21, and the two
2: chamberlains of the king, talking about, in verse 1, the two serpents, those two men that were plotting assassination against the king. Those two chamberlains of the king, the chiefs of the bodyguard, were grieved because Mordecai was promoted, and they sought to kill the king, Akash Baruchs. And the
4: matter was revealed to Mordecai. And he made it known to Hadassah, Mordecai did,
2: and she declared to the king the matter of the conspiracy. And the king examine, examined the two chamberlades, chamberlades and hanged them. And the king gave orders to make a note for a memorial in the royal records of the good offices of Mordecai as a commendation. commendation. Chapter 3, verse 1. And after this, King Akash the Rose highly honored Haman, son of Amaddas the Burgonian, and exalted him, exalted Haman, and set his seat above all his friends. And all in the palace did him obsolence, meaning bowed before him. That's what it means. The word is correct. It just means bowed before him. For so the king had given orders to do, but Mordecai did not do him obsolence, did not bow before him. And they now of course Mordecai bowed before the king, but not before Haman. So it wasn't really a matter of not bowing to anyone, but not bowing to evil people, and to people that were possessed and that were the enemy. Verse 3, And they in the king's palace said to Mordecai, Mordecai, why do you transgress the commands of the king? And thus they spoke daily to him, but he hearkened not unto them. Amen. 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 So they represented to Haman that Mordecai resisted the commands of the king and Mordecai had shown to them that he was a Jew. Five. And when Haman understood that Mordecai did not do opposites, did not bow before him, he was greatly enraged. And took counsel to do, utterly destroy, destroy utterly all the Jews who were under the rule of Akash Leroz. And he made a decree and the twelfth year of the reign of Akash Feroz, and cast lots daily and monthly to slay or slaughter in one day the race of Mordecai. And the lot fell on the fourteenth day of the month, which is Adar. And he spoke to the king Akash, uh, not Akash, Ak- Akash Feroz, I was doing so well with that then I just kind of just had
4: to slaughter that word all of a sudden. But in the twelfth year,
2: and cast lots daily and monthly to slay in one day the race. And the lot fell on the fourteenth day. Now, verse 8, and he spoke to the king Achash, saying, there is a nation scattered among the nations and all your kingdom, and their laws different from those of all the other nations, and they disobey the laws of the king, for it is not expedient or profitable for the king to leave them alone. If it seems good to the king, let him make a decree to destroy them, and I will admit in the king's treasury 10,000 talents of silver. And the the king took off his ring and gave it to the hands of Haman to seal the decrees against the Jews. And the king said to Haman, Keep keep the silver and treat the nation as you will. So the king's recorders were called in in the first month on the thirteenth day, and they wrote, as Haman commanded, to the captains and governors in every province, from India even to Ethiopia, to 127 provinces. And to the rulers of the nations under, uh, uh, according to their several languages, in the name of King the Baruch. Verse thirteen, of course, King James, New American, NIV, all these Bibles, modern Bibles, leave out the, the large, large, large paragraph of verse thirteen. So it's very important that we read this from the Alpha and Omega Bible. So verse 13 says, and a message was sent by posts so I'm going to edit that word post to couriers, couriers, C-O-U-R-I-E-R-S. Again, C-O-U-R-I-E-R-S. The word post is correct. It's correct. It's not wrong. But we understand what it means better, a better English word in our understanding, couriers, which is message deliverers. Throughout the kingdom of Akash, the to destroy utterly the race of the Jews on the first day of the 12th month, which is Adar, and to plunder their goods. And the following is the copy of the letter. So this is what the letter said. The great king, Akashverosh, writes thus to the rulers and inferior governors of 127 provinces from India even to Ethiopia, who hold authority under him, ruling over many nations and having obtained dominion over the whole world. I was minded, not related by the confidence of power, but ever conducting myself with great moderation and gentleness, to make the lives of my subjects continually tan- tranquil, meaning peaceful, desiring both to maintain the kingdom quiet and orderly to his utmost limits and to restore the peace desired by all men. But when I had inquired of my counselors how this should be brought to pass, Haman, who excels in soundness of judgment among us, and has been manifestly well-inclined without wavering and with unshaken fidelity, and had attained the second post in the kingdom, informed us that a certain ill-disposed people is mixed up with all the tribes throughout the world, opposed in their law to every other nation, and continually neglecting the commands of the king so that the united king of government blamelessly administered by us as not quietly established having been convinced that this nation alone of all others is continually set in opposition against every man introducing as a change a foreign code of laws and injuriously plotting to accomplish the worst of evils against our interests and against the happy establishment of the monarchy we signify to you in the letter written by Haman, who is set over the public affairs and is our second governor, to destroy them all utterly with their wives and children by the swords of their enemies, of the enemies, without pitying or sparing any on the 14th day of the 12th month Adar of the present year, that the people previously and now ill-disposed to us have been violently consigned to death in one day, now, hereafter secure to us continually a well-constituted and quiet state of affairs. Unquote. So in other words, these Muslims, these Iranians, these enemies of the people of Israel, these enemies of the people of God, falsely accused these people based on their racial pride on their racial uh, prejudice against other races and falsely accused that they were not obedient to the laws of the kingdom. And in the false name of peace that this was going to occur, that they had to murder and slaughter and commit genocide against an entire race of people in the name of peace. That's exactly what Hitler did and proclaimed. Hitler said in public, on public record, that the reason that he was killing the Jews was to establish peace, to have peace, that that was the way to peace. The same thing is being said now by Iran, by Syria, by the Muslims, by the Democrats, by all these evil people that heaven represents. That in the name of peace, we must destroy Christians, Christianity, free speech, freedom of religion, the nation of Israel, the Jews, and the tribes of Israel. And that is why there is a war against the true identity of the tribes of Israel. If they want to steal their land and everything else and their birthright, I will not allow it to happen. Amen. I'm in an army and the war is real. And we'll lose some battles and win some battles. But the final victory is ours. And that is a lesson of turn. That the final victory will be for the people of truth, the people of the light. Amen. Praise God. And in verse 14, And the copies of the letters were published in every province, and an order was given to all the nations to be ready against that day, just like the president of Syria would tell all the nations of the world to come against the Israelite nations of America and the Jews, and the British commonwealth. It will be fulfilled, and the people that doubt this will be proven as liars and deceivers. Amen. And in verse 15, and the business was hastened. And that at Susa, and the king and Haman began to drink, but the city was troubled. Chapter 4, verse 1. But Mordecai, having perceived what was done, rent his clothes, his garments, and put on sackcloth and sprinkled ashes upon himself. So we will add it, the were dust, dust to ashes upon himself. And having rushed forth through the wopen street of the city, he cried with a loud voice, A nation that has done no wrong is going to be destroyed. And he came to the king's gate and stood, for it was not lawful for him to enter into the palace wearing sackcloth and ashes, and in every province where the letters were published there was crying and lamentation and great mourning on the part of the Jews, or on the part of the Jews, or among the Jews, however you want to word that, and they spread with itself sackcloth and ashes. And the queen's maids and chamberlains went in and told her. And when she had heard what was done, she was disturbed, and she sent to clothe Mordecai to take away his sackcloth, but he could send it not. So Hadassah called on her chamberlade Architarius, who waited upon her, and she sent to learn the truth from Mordecai. And Mordecai showed him what was done and a promise which Haman had made the king of 10,000 talents to be paid into the treasury that he might destroy the Jews. Now, even though the king did not accept the money, this was true that Haman had offered this money in order he was trying to pay to kill people. I'll pay you to let me kill them. That's what Haman had tried to do. But the king, being righteous, he, he granted the slaughter, to the genocide, not based on money and refused the money, but he granted it because he had been deceived into thinking that the Israelites were evil people. He fell for the Muslim propaganda. And that is what is occurring today with all these people that saying that the Jews are not Israelites, but that they're... Uh, something else and that they're the synagogue of satan well that is a doctrine of satan because the jews that are living in israel are not of the synagogue of satan why that verse in the book of revelation is talking about is false christians who think they are saved but are not but it is also talking about the jews in one sense because anybody on this earth regardless of whether they're Jews or Muslims or Christians or whatever, if they think they are saved and not saved, then they are the center god of Satan based on their belief that they are saved and not saved and has nothing to do with race. Because the Bible says that we are circumcised in the heart, and he is a Jew that is one that is circumcised inwardly and not outwardly that there is no difference between Jew and Greek now. Therefore, the sin of God of the Jews has nothing to do with Gentile and Israelite, and who this person and that person is in the bloodlines, even though the bloodlines are important to God. But the sin of God is Satan. is talking about people who think they are saved and are not. That simple. And so people are falling for this Islamic hate propaganda, hate against the Jews, saying that they are not Jews, that they are not Israelites, and it is a lie of the devil, and I will stand against that lie for as long as I live. Amen. And verse 7, and Mordecai showed him what was done and the promise which Haman had made a king of 10,000 talents to be paid into the treasury that he might destroy the Jews. Verse 8, and he gave him the copy of the writing that was published in Shusha concerning their destruction to show Hitasha and told him to change, charge her to go in and entreat the king to beg him for the people. Remembering, uh, said he, quote, the days of your low estate, remember the days of your low estate, how you were nourished by my hand because Haman, who holds the next place to the king, has spoken against us for death. Do you call upon the Lord? That's saying, this is what I need you to do. You can just cross out that word, do you, because it just don't make sense in English, and call upon the Lord. So, just cross out only the words, do you. And he says, call upon the Lord, and speak to the king concerning us, to deliver us from death unquote. verse 9 so Achashverosh went in and told her all these words no not Achashverosh the servant not the king and verse 10 Hadasha said to her chamberlain uh, Achashverosh go to Mordecai and say all the nations of the empire know that whoever man or woman shall go into the king into the inner court uncalled, that person cannot live. Only to whomsoever the king shall stretch forth his golden scepter, he shall live. And I have not been called to go into the king for these thirty days. Unquote. And this chamberlain, Agrath, Rosh. Reported to Mordecai all the words of Hadassah. Then Mordecai said to this chamberlain, "Go and say to her, Hadassah, say not to yourself that you are that you alone will escape in the kingdom, more than all the other Jews. For if you shall refuse to hearken on this occasion, help and protection will be to the Jews of another quarter." that you and your father's house will perish, and who knows if you have been made a for this very occasion, unquote. Notice that Mordecai says, if she does not stand up and try to influence the king to change his mind, that some of the Jews will be saved, but not her, not her family, not the people right there in the immediate vicinity, Mordecai knew the scriptures that God promises to always preserve a remnant, to never allow all of Israel to be completely wiped out. He knew those scriptures. He knew that God would preserve a remnant, that it would not be a total success of genocide, even though that was the goal the devil but he says don't think that you will survive because if you don't stand up if you don't stand your ground if you do not fulfill your calling then how can you think that you will be among the remnants that will survive we must all remember that lesson that Mordecai was telling Esther Padasha is, if we do not stand up if we do not speak the truth, if we will not stand boldly against lies,
4: against plots, against the enemy, then we will be defeated. And even though God will preserve a remnant, don't think
2: that we will be spared if we don't fulfill our calling. For we were born
4: for this. Amen. Praise God. So then, it says here in verse 14, verse 14, for if
2: you shall refuse to hearken on the occasion, help and protection will be to the Jews of another quarter, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows if you have been made a queen for this very occasion. Verse 15, and Hadasha sent the man that came to her to Mordecai, saying, Go and assemble the Jews, the Orient Susa, and fast you for me, and eat not and drink not for three days, night, and day. And I myself and my maidens will fast, and then I will go in to the king, contrary to the law, even if I die. Amen. Verse 17, which all the Bibles leave out. So Mordecai went and did all that Hadassah commissioned him. We'll that
4: word commanded to commissioned him. And he besought the Lord making mention of all the works of the Lord. And it said Lord
2: Theos Alpha and Omega king <clears throat> ruling over all. For all things are in your power and there is no one that shall oppose you in your purpose to save Israel. For you have made the heaven and the earth an ever wonderful thing under heaven. And you are Lord of all. And there is no one who shall resist you. You know all things. You know, Lord, that it is not in insolence, nor naught haughtiness, halt, uh, nor love of glory that I have done this to refuse to bow for the haughty hammer. For I would gladly have kissed the soles of his feet for the safety of Israel. But I have done this that I might not set the glory of man above the glory of Theos. For I will not worship any one except you, my Lord, and I will not do these things in haughtiness. And now, O Lord Theos, the Alpha and Omega, the King, the Alpha, the theos, alpha, and mega of Abraham. Spare your people, for our enemies are looking upon us to our destruction, and they have desired to destroy your agent inheritance. Amen. The people of Israel is his inheritance, and we are all spiritual Israel and are his inheritance as well if we have his spirit living in us. Do not overlook your peculiar people whom you have redeemed for yourself out of the land of Egypt, Hearken to my prayer. And be uh,
4: uh, propitious, another word for that would be merciful to your inheritance. And turn our mourning into gladness, that we may live
2: and sing praise to your name, O Lord. And do not utterly destroy the mouth of them that praise you, O Lord. And all Israel cried with all their might. Remember chapter 1, verse 1. That there would be tears. That would start as a a, a small stream and end up as a great river. But the sun would arise. So all Israel cried with all their might. For death was before their eyes. And Queen Hadassah betook herself for refuge to the Lord, being taken as if it were in agony of death. And having taken off her glorious apparel, she put on garments of distress and mourning. And instead of grand perfumes, she covered her head with ashes and dirt, and she humbled herself, her body, and she set aside everything of her worldly joy, and her hair was unkempt. And she besought the Lord, Theos, Alpha and Omega of Israel, and said, "O oh my Lord, you alone are our King. Help me, who am destitute and have no helper but you, for my danger is near at hand. I have heard from my birth and the tribe of my kindred that you, Lord, took Israel out of all the nations, and our fathers out of their kindred for perpetual inheritance." and has worked for them all that you have said. And now we have sinned before you. We have sinned. Amen. And you have delivered us into the hands of our enemies because we honored their gods. So you can cross out in that sentence the word theos, alpha, and omega, and write in gods that we have honored their gods. Gods. And you are righteous, O Lord. But now they have been contented with the bitterness of our slavery, but have laid their hands, not been contented with the bitterness of our slavery, but have laid their hands with the hands of their idols in order to abolish the decree of your mouth and utterly to destroy your inheritance and to stop the mouth of them that praise you, and to extinguish the glory of your house and your altar, and to open uh, the mouth of the Gentiles to speak the praises of vanities, and in order that a mortal king should be admired forever. O Lord, do not resign your scepter to them that are not, and let them not laugh at our fall, but turn their counsel against themselves and make an example of him who has begun to injure us. Remember us, O Lord. Manifest yourself in the time of our affliction and encourage me, O king, of, you could say, king of rulers or king of gods. So we'll cross out in that sentence theos, alpha, and omega. And what I'm going to put is rulers,
4: king of rulers and ruler of all dominion. Put harmonious
2: speech into my mouth before the lion and turn his heart to hate him that fights against us. So here he's calling, she is calling the king a lion.
4: Symbolism of his power of the human king. And it says here, if I can find my line,
2: again the line, and turn his heart to hate him that fights against us,
3: <clears throat>
2: to the utter destruction of him that consent with him. But deliver us by your hand, and help me who am destitute, and have none but thee, O Lord. You know all things, And know that I hate the glory of transgressors and that I, I abhor the couch of the uncircumcised and of every stranger. You know my necessity. For I abhor the symbol of my proud station. In other words, she does not take vanity in her position as queen. And she does not take vanity upon sitting on the throne. She is remaining humble to her God even though that she sits on the throne of a queen. And she adhors the symbol of my proud station which is upon my head her, her queenship in the days of my splendor. I abhor it as a menstrual cloth. And I wear it not, that gold crown, in the days of my tranquility, meaning in her days of peace, in the days when she doesn't have to be in public, on the days that she doesn't have to be sitting beside the king. She's not wearing her crown uh, uh, among her private
4: apartment or among the other women. She is not proud for or puffed up. Amen. And your handmaid has not eaten at the table
2: of Hammond, and I have not honored the banquet of the king, neither have, drunk, have I drunk the wine of libations. Now that word libations means ritual offerings. So if you want to cross it out, it's not an incorrect word, but you could cross, while, cross it out or just put it in, a, in italics or in a parentheses under it, just explaining what the word means. So it would be accurate to say the libations and it would be accurate to say ritual offerings. Ritual offerings. I'm not tuck of the ritual offerings. In other words, he has not stooped to paganism of false idols and false offerings of false gods. Neither was your handmaid rejoiced since the day of my promotion until now. Except in you, O Lord, Theos, the Alpha and Omega of Abraham, O Theos, the Alpha and Omega, who has power over all, hearken to the voice of the desperate and deliver us from the hand of them that devise mischief and deliver me from my fear. Chapter 5, verse 1, which uh, most of the Bibles leave out, says... And it came to pass on the third day, when she had ceased praying and fasting, that she put off her normal apparel and put on her glorious apparel, and being splendidly attired or arrayed, and having called upon Theos, the Alpha and Omega, the overseer and preserver of all things, she took her two maids and she leaned upon one as a delicate female. In other words, the crown. On her head, and all the jewelry and the clothing and all the robes and undergarments and everything else that the queen had to put on when she actually appeared before the king was very, very heavy. And she had to lean upon one of her two assistants. And so she leaned upon one as a delicate female, and the other followed. Bearing her train, which is what you call the long flowing uh, garment of the back part of her dress that goes like back several, several, several feet down the hallway. And so the other was uh, holding
4: onto that to keep it from getting dirty. And let's see. Bearing her train, and she was blooming in the perfection of
2: her beauty, and her face was cheerful, and it was benevolent, that her heart was straightened for fear. And having passed through all the doors, she stood before the king. And he was sitting on his royal throne, and he had put on all his glorious apparel, covered all over with gold and precious stones. And Says here was very terrible, which is just a poor translation of saying that he was like uh, a quite a spe- quite a spectacle. So I'm going to take out the word "very terrible" and replace it with the word "awesome," meaning uh, all like you see something and it just kind of is you. That's what awesome means. And so the sight of him, sitting there with all of his attire, very fancy to do like she had done because of coming into his presence, that it was an awesome sight. It was an amazing sight. It was an all sight. And having raised his face, uh, replicant with glory, he looked, it says here, with intense anger. Don't call the word intense anger and replace it with passion. I do not believe he he had an appearance of anger on his face. But the word here, the great word that is translated as anger here, can be translated as anger, but it can also be translated as passion or great emotion or great glory or uh, intense, or, I mean, there's a lot of ways it can be translated. So you have to go more of the context of what she said afterwards. And it's what she said afterwards that convinced me that it's not a look of anger. Now, some people say it's a look of anger because uh, he didn't expect her, because she wasn't called to go in, and so this was against the law. And he could have been angry and and commanded her to be killed or arrested or thrown out or something. And so that's why some people have translated it as anger. And that's why it's traditionally translated as anger. But look at her response later. And that tells me it wasn't anger. But it's this whole sight of her coming into uh, 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 approaching the king. Plus, what is happening here is that God's presence is upon him. That's important to understand. That is huge to understand this. That even though he was a mortal king and had made a mistake and had been deceived, that God was working in him. It was ordained for him to be deceived. It was ordained for him to make that mistake. It was ordained for him to make that decree to kill the Jews and then to repent of it. All of that was ordained and planned by God Almighty, ruler of all dominions. God was in control. Amen. God is in control. God's presence was resting upon him. God was working in him just as the devil was working in Haman. Amen. You could look upon Haman and see the devil's face. And you could look at the king's face and see the face of God. Notice what happens in Esther's reaction, Hadasha. And so he looked with passion. And the Uh, queen fell and changed her color as she fainted and she bowed herself upon the head of the maid that went before her. But Theos Alpha and Omega changed the spirit of the king to gentleness. That doesn't mean that he was there. Maybe he was but we can't automatically assume it uh, because it can still be an appearance of some kind of a great Passion or overwhelming glory and being changed to a more gentle, a more, more gentle uh, uh, appearance and an in intense feeling. That intense feeling can also be translated great concern. It doesn't have to be. Great concern or intense feeling, he sprung up. He sprung off his throne, which is very unlike a king, very much unlike a king. He sprung off his throne and took her into his arms until she recovered. And He comforted her with peaceful words and said to her, What is the matter, Hadasha? I am your brother, meaning spiritually, meaning I'm your friend. Be of good cheer. You shall not die. So our command is whoopingly openly declared to you, Draw near. So it was the law that she not come in there unless he says so. And so he said so. He made it a matter of public record. I am calling you. He is not a horrible king. He's a man of love and a man of a Righteousness and justice, uh, he really is. And verse 2, And having raised the golden, golden scepter, he laid it upon her neck and embraced her and said, Speak to me. And she said to him, I saw you, my Lord, as an angel of theos, the Alpha and Omega. Did she see him as a man of anger, as a man of wrath, as a man of evil? Darkness? No, she saw him on that throne as an angel of Theos. Now that word "angel" there can be translated many different ways as well. I don't think she actually saw him in the appearance of an angel. The word "angel" can be translated as a messenger, or an agent, or a pastor, or a representative, or a manifestation. There's many different ways that you can translate that. I'm going to cross out that word angel and put the word agent, as an agent of Theos. i saw you, my Lord, as an agent of Theos. Now, that could mean as a representative of Theos, or it could mean uh, that she actually saw kind of like God's presence upon him. And I think that's what she actually saw. And my heart was troubled for the fear of your glory. For you, my Lord, are to be wondered at, and your face is full of grace. Not full of anger, but full of grace. And while she was speaking, she fainted and fell. Then the king was troubled, and all his servants comforted her. And the king said, What will you, Hadassah? And what is your request? Ask even to the half of my kingdom, and it shall be yours. And Adasha said, Today is my great day. If then it seemed good to the king, let both him and Haman come to the feast which I will prepare this day.
4: Do you want to make a note real fast? Okay. Now, she could have just
2: said right then and there. I mean, he's saying, I'll give you half the kingdom. What do you want? That was a perfect opportunity. And many people would have just spoke up right then and there. But she chose to wait. She knows that the the way to the heart of a man is through food. <laughs> Amen. She knows that the way to the heart of man is through food, and so she read to verse five. And the king said, "Patient Haman, here that we may perform the word of Hadassah, so that they both come to the feast, which of which Hadasha has spoken." And at the banquet, the king said to Hadassah, "What is your request?" And Queen Hadassah's, uh, what is your request, Queen Hadassah? Mm. Speak, and you shall have all that you have shall require. And she said, my request and my petition are, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, let the king and Haman come again tomorrow to the feast, which I shall prepare for you, prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do the same. So Haman went out from the king, very glad and merry, But when Haman saw Mordecai, the Jew in the court, he was greatly enraged. And having gone to his own house, he called his friends, Haman called his friends and his wife, Zosara, and he showed them his wealth and the glory with which the king had invested him and how he had caused him to take precedence and bear chief rule in the kingdom. And Haman said, the queen has called no one to the feast with the king but me and I am invited tomorrow. But these things please me not while I see Mordecai the Jew in the court. And Zosaira, his wife, and his friends said to him, Let there be gallows made for you of fifty cubits, and in the morning do you speak to the king, and let Mordecai be hanged on the gallows. But do you go into the feast with the king? You can just cross out the word, but do. Cross out the words, but do. And it just said, you go to the feast with the king and be merry, and the saying, please, Haman, and the gallows were prepared. Another thing Esther may have been doing by putting it off a couple of times was waiting for the right moment. Even though it seemed like the right moment, sometimes it does seem like the right moment. But sometimes we have to wait a little bit longer and a little bit longer. She may have been sensing that the Spirit of God was warning her to delay just a little bit longer for one reason or another. It could have some kind of symbolism with it as well. Chapter 6, verse 1. And the Lord removed sleep from the king that night. And he told his servant to bring in the books, the king did, told his servant to bring in the books, the registers of daily events to read to him. But notice here in verse 1 that the reason the king could not sleep and the reason that he brought, told the servant to bring in the books, the register of daily events to read to him was because God, prevented the king from sleeping that night so that the books would be brought into him. God is in control. God controls some of our thoughts. God puts words and thoughts into our minds that we don't even recognize that it's God. Sometimes God puts words and thoughts and actions into our minds and bodies that we never, ever, ever come to the realization that that was God. It never showed any indication that the king ever ever found out or ever came to that realization that it had been God that kept him awake that night. But the writer of the book of Esther does recognize that. In verse 2, he found the records written concerning Mordecai, how that he had told the king concerning the two chamberlains of the king when they had uh, being keep of guard and sought to lay hands on uh, Akash Baros. And the king said, What honor or favor have we done to Mordecai? And the king's servant said, You have not done anything to him. And while the king was inquiring about the kindness of Mordecai, behold, Haman was in the court. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now, Hammond was come in to speak to the king that he should have Mordecai, hang Mordecai on the gallows, which he had prepared. And the king's servants said, Behold, Hammond stands in the court. And the king said, Call him. And the king said to Hammond, What shall you I do to the man whom I wish to honor? I know the delay now. I know why Esther kept the land, but it's because the gallows had not been built yet. And the gallows had to be built, these things that were used to hang people, because the gallows was not built until chapter five, verse fourteen. But in the verses leading up to chapter five, fourteen, she was stalling. Then the gallows was built, and she no longer stalled, because now that the gallows are built, she can execute the enemy
4: with the truth.
2: And now she reveals the truth, and the truth and the light reveals the darkness.
4: So let me make a note here. And 5 5 would be a good place to put that note. 5 5 to add. Note, a delay until gallows could be built. Now, she didn't
2: know that was the reason. I don't believe, but
4: I believe that was the reason in the spiritual realm. Then, in verse 6, verse 6, And the king said to
2: Haman, What shall I do to the man whom I wish to honor? And Hammond said within himself, Whom would the king honor but myself? but actually the king went to honor Mordecai. And he said to the king, As for the man whom the king wishes to honor, let the king's servants bring the robe of fine linen which the king puts on, and the horse on which the king rides, and let him give it to the one of the king's noble friends, and let him array the man whom the king loves, and let him mount him on the horse, and proclaim to the street of the city, Saying, Thus shall it be done to every man whom the king honors. Then the king said to Hammond, You have said well. So do the Mordecai, the Jew, who waits in the palace. And let not a word of what you have spoken be neglected. Praise the Lord. So Hammond took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and mounted him on the horse, and went through the street of the city and proclaimed, saying, Thus shall it be done to every man whom the king wishes to honor. And Mordecai returned to the palace. But Haman went home mourning and having his head covered. And Haman related the events that had befallen him to Zosorah, his wife, and to his friends. And his friends and his wife said to him, If Mordecai be of the race of the Jews, and you have begun to be humbled before him, you will surely fall and you will not be able to withstand him, for the living Theos, Alpha and Omega, is with him. And while they were yet speaking, the chamberlains arrived to hasten Haman to the banquet which Hadassah had prepared. Chapter 7, verse 1. So the king and Haman went in to drink with the queen. And the king said to Hadassah at the banquet on the second day, What is it, Queen Hadassah? And what is your request? And what is your petition? Petition. And it shall be done for you, even to the house of the kingdom. And she answered and said, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, let my life be granted to my petition and my people to my request. For both I and my people are sold for destruction and pillage and slavery. Both we and our children Bond men and bond women, and I consented not to it, for the slanderer is not worthy of the king's palace. And the king said, Who is this that has dared to do this thing? Panadasha said, The adversary is Haman, this wicked man. Then Haman was troubled before the king and the queen. And the king rose up from the banquet to go into the garden, and Haman began to entreat the cream, But he saw that he was in a troublesome situation. So you can out, you can cast out, uh, uh, cross out the word evil case and replace it with troublesome
4: situation. A troublesome situation. And the king returned from the garden. And Haman had
2: fallen upon the bed or couch, entreating the queen, begging the queen for mercy. And the king said, Will you even force my wife in my house? And when Haman heard it, he changed countenance, appearance. And Bacchathal, one of the chamberlains, said to the king, Behold, Haman has also prepared a gallow for Mordecai, who spoke concerning the king. And a gallow of 50 cubits high has been set up in the premises of Haman. And the king said, Let him be hanged thereon." So Haman was hanged on the gallows that had been prepared for Mordecai, and the king's wrath was appeased. Chapter 8, verse 1. And in that day, King Akash burros gave to Hadassah all that belonged to Haman the slanderer. And Mordecai was called by the king, for Hadassah had showed that he was revealed, or uh, showed that he was related to her. And the king took the ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Hadassah appointed Mordecai over all that had been Haman's. As she spoke yet again to the king and fell at his feet, it besought him to do away the mischief of Haman and all that he had done against the Jews. And the king stretched out to Hadassah the golden scepter. And Hadassah arose to stand near the king. And Hadassah said, If it seem good to you, and I have had favor in your sight. Let an order be sent, that the letters sent by Ammon, Haman, be reversed, that were written for the destruction of the Jews who are in your kingdom. For how shall I be able to look upon the affliction of my people, and how shall I be able to survive the destruction of my kindred? And the king said to Hadassah, If I have given and freely granted to you all that was Haman's, And hang them on him on gallows, because he laid his hands on the Jews. What do you yet seek father seek? Verse 8, write you also in my name, as it seems good to you, and seal it with my ring. For whatever orders are written at the command of the king, and sealed with my ring, it is not lawful to gainsay against them, meaning speak against. Verse 9. So the scribes were called in on the first month, which is Nisan, on the 3 and 20th day, the 23rd day of the same year. And orders were written to the Jews that whatever the king had commanded to the local governors and chiefs of the Legionics, Sephras, from India even to Ethiopia, 127 after actually provinces, would be a good translation there, according to the several promises, according to their several dialects. And they were written by order of the king, and sealed of his ring, and they sent the letters by the popes. Again, uh, post is his correct word, but a word that would be better understood by people is the word couriers, C-O-U-R-I-E-R-S. Again, at C-O-U-R-I-E-R-S, couriers or letter messengers. And wherein he charged them to use their own laws in every city. In other words, that they were free to keep the law of God, the commandments. That they were free to keep the law of God, to keep their own laws in every city and help each other and to treat their adversaries and those who attacked them as they pleased. And on one day in all the kingdom of Achashverosh, and on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is Adar, the king, uh, and the following is a copy of the letter of the orders, verse 13. Here's a copy of the letter. The great king, Achashverosh, sends greetings to the rulers of provinces in 127, Uh, provinces from India to Ethiopia even to those who are faithful to our interests many who have been frequently honored by the most abundant kindness of their benefactors have conceived ambitious designs and not only endeavor to hurt our subjects but moreover not being able to bear prosperity they also endeavor to plot against their own benefactors and they not only would utterly abolish gratitude. They not only would abolish gratitude from among men, but also elated by the boastings of men who are strangers to all that is good, they supposed that they shall escape the sin-hating vintage of the ever-seeing theos, Alpha and Omega. And oftentimes, evil exhortation has made partakers of the guilt of shedding innocent blood and has involved in irremittable calamities. Many of those who have been appointed to offices of authority, who have been entrusted with the management of their friends' affairs, while men, by the false physicality of evil dispensation, have deceived the simple candor of the ruling powers, And it is possible to see this not so much from more ancient traditional accounts as it is immediately in your power to see it by examining what things have wickedly penetrated by the baseness of men unworthy of holding power. It is right to take heed with regard to the future that we may maintain the government in undistributed peace. So I'm going to cross out the word undistributed and put the word undisturbed undisturbed peace for all men adopting needful changes and ever judging those cases from which come under our notices with truly equitable decisions. Notice here that the king said that uh, We need to take regard to the future. That last sentence. It is right to take heed with regard to the future. Amen. Then the next paragraph says, For whereas Haman, a Macedonian, that's very revealing, basically a Greek Macedonian of the next empire that would come because you had the Babylonian, then Medo-Persian, then the Greek Macedonian. So this was an early stage of another, uh, not another, but uh, the early stage of uh, an in-creeping attempt of the Greek Macedonian uh, spirits, which, uh, I mean, those spirits were prevalent all the way from back from Assyria and Babylon and Media Persia but nevertheless more so for this Greek Macedonian uh, uh, part of the spiritual realm trying to creep in even at that stage and for whereas Haman a Macedonian the son of a in reality an alien a stranger from the blood of the Persians he wasn't even Persian and differently, widely, from our mild course of government, having been hospitable and attained by us, hospitality attained by us, obtained so large a share of our universal kindness as to be called our father, our spiritual father, our leader, and to continue the person next to the royal throne. Reverence uh, reverenced of all, he, however, overcome by the pride of his station, his position, his office, uh, endeavored to deprive us of our dominion, a coup attempt. You know, that's true. This is not a false accusation. Remember that he was with friends of the two men that had been executed for plotting to assassinate the king. And it was because of that that he was coming against Mordecai and the Jews and the king and everything. He desired to be king. And he did desire to overthrow the king. He did desire a coup attempt. That was his goal. That was his heart. That was his attempt.
4: And so the king is right about this. and so uh, endeavored to deprive us of our dominion and our lives,
2: having by various and sub, subtle, like a snake, like a serpent, artifices, demanded for destruction, both Mordecai or deliverer, and perpetual manufacturer, and Hadasha, the blameless consort of our kingdom, with their whole nation, for by these methods He thought, having surprised us in a defenseless state, to transfer the dominion of the Persians to the Greek Macedonians. But we find that the Jews who have been consigned to destruction by the most abominable of men are not criminals. Is what I'm going to cross out malefactors, and I'm going to
4: put criminals. They are not criminals. but but living according
2: to the most just or justice laws and being the sons of the living theos. We read that yesterday, how that we are the sons of Zion, how we are the sons of the mo- uh, almighty God, how we are the students of the prophets, how that we are students, that we are disciples and, and, and learning and growing and
4: maturing and, and so forth. And we are the household of uh, theos. Praise God. What verse is that now? Okay, there it is.
2: The most high and mighty who maintains the kingdom to us as well as to our forefathers in the most excellent order. You will, therefore, do well in refusing the order, the letter sent by Haman the son of Amadias, because he that has done these things has been tamed with his whole family at the gates of Shusha, Almighty Theos Alpha and Omega having swiftly returned to him a worthy recompense. We hanged with his uh, we hanged with his whole family at the gates of... Sh- uh, I'm going to the next line here. We enjoin you then, having openly published a copy of this letter in every place to give the Jews permission to use their own lawful customs and to strengthen them that on the 13th of the 12th month Adar, on the same self-day, that they may defend themselves against those who attack them in a time of affliction. For in the place of the destruction of the chosen race, Almighty Theos Alpha and Omega has granted them this time of gladness. Do you therefore also, among your notable feasts, keep a distinct day of all festality? Notice this. I really like for you to underline the words among your notable feasts. He's saying, in addition to your commanded laws, commanded feast days of the kingdom, to add this in addition to it. He's not saying, don't keep those days. But he's saying, you're free to worship your God. You're free. This is not contradictory one to another. It is uh, all in agreement. Amen. And remember at the beginning of this book how that he was keeping a feast, a gathering, a celebration that was not the law to keep, but uh, that he was decreeing that they was going to uh, do that. And so there's nothing wrong with this.
4: And and I believe that we should keep current for many, many, many great and
2: spiritual reasons. But among those many reasons is to remember what happened with Mordecai and Esther and the grace and the favor that God himself showed upon Mordecai, Esther, and the Israelites, our forefathers, and our forefathers spiritually regardless of bloodline that these scriptures were written for profit that all the scripture was written for profit, profitable for doctrine and for edification of the church we must remember that the enemy has always plotted against God's people of all races, the enemy has always plotted against the followers of God, the people that keep the commandment, the seventh day and the holy days but God is in control. Amen. Praise God. So it says here, Do you therefore also among your notable feasts, keep a distinct day with all festality, that both now and hereafter that it may be a day of deliverance to us and who are well disposed for the Persians but to those that plotted against us a memorial of destruction? In other words, the friends of God celebrate with one another. As the Bible says, that, that if they rejoice, we rejoice. If they mourn, we mourn. So we keep this as a day of celebration with the Jews because they are our spiritual brother that we are going to be grafted in with them into that family tree. And we already have been grafted in with them if we're saved. And we are all spiritual Jews if we have the Spirit of God. So we celebrate with the feasts. We celebrate with the Jews. We celebrate with God's people around the world, across all nations. Why should we distance ourselves? from those who are celebrate, celebrating and remembering this great occasion. We should not separate ourselves from this because if we do separate ourselves from this, we are declaring ourselves the enemy of God, to be honest with you, because you're either for
4: us or against us,
2: one or the other. And it says here that if they do not for us, but to those that plot against us, as a memorial of destruction. And every city, and province collectively, collectively, which shall not do accordingly, shall be consumed with vintage, by spear and fire. Remember that the book of Hadasha is a foreshadowing of the end time, as verse one says. That of great
4: tribulation and wrath. When the two serpents represented by the
2: chamberlains, those that were plotting assassination against this just and righteous and good king, those two serpents foreshadowing the false prophet and the antichrist, the center condition of our time, who also shall arise out of Syria and Iran. The Asian Assyrian and Babylonian and Assyrian and Greek and Roman Empire all ruled that land. Amen. So now there has arisen a doctrine, very, very popular now, that is overtaking the old doctrine of Obama's Antichrist now saying that Trump is the Antichrist.
4: So ridiculous. Foolishness.
2: Of course, there are many people that
4: still holding on to and grasping
2: with all their might, oh, Obama is still the Antichrist. He's running a shadowed government, and he's going to uh, have a coup, and he's going to overthrow Trump, and Obama's going to be president again, and he's still going to be the Antichrist. People are still holding on to that with all their might, while that new false doctrine of Trump being the Antichrist is gaining more
4: and more popularity. Foolishness. Amen. So anyway, let's get back to this. And it says here that
2: the people that don't do this, the king decreed, and he wrote it in the law of that government, of that kingdom,
4: that if we do not keep parents, we will be destroyed by fire. Is prayer commanded? Mm. Mostly not. But
2: is it the will of God? That's a better question. A better question than is it commanded is is it the will of God? Because it doesn't matter whether it's commanded or not. If it's the will of God, it's equal to a command. If you do not obey the will of God, if you do not obey the will of God, that is equal to not obeying His command. Amen? Amen.
4: If we do not obey the will of God, we do not obey His command. And so, it says, and it shall be made not only that place
2: to not only be made inaccessible to man, but most hateful to wild beasts and birds forever. That's the foreshadowing of the raptor birds on the day of the abomination, I mean, uh, on the day of the uh, battle of Armageddon. The raptor birds eating the flesh of the wicked there's a lot of end time foreshadowings throughout this book from beginning to end. And it says, and let the copies be posted in conspicuous places, conspicuous uh, spaces throughout the kingdom, and let all the Jews be ready against this day to fight against their enemies.
4: End quote.
2: So the horsemen went forth with haste to perform the king's commands, and the ordinance was also published in Sushan and Mordecai went forth robed in royal apparel and wearing a golden crown and a dot town of fine purple linen. And the people of Susha saw it and rejoiced. And the Jews had light and gladness. That refers back to chapter 1, verse 1, where it says that after that darkness and gloom trials and tribulation and wrath and after the tears that shall become a great flood or a great river, that, the sun shall rise, and the light shall rise, and shall engulf the honorable. So the light comes after the tribulation, after the wrath, after the raptor birds, after the, uh, the birds and the uh, judgment and all this. Jesus, our light, shall come. And the Jews had light and gladness. And verse 17, in every city and province, wherever the ordinance was published, wherever the promulgation took place, the Jews had joy and gladness, feasting and mirth. And many of the Gentiles were circumcised and became Jews, perverted for fear of the Jews. Chapter 9, verse 1. In the twelfth month, on the thirteenth day of the month, which is Adar, the letters written by the king arrived. In that day, the adversaries of the kings perished, and no one resisted, with fear of them. For the chiefs of the Separates and the princes and the royal tribes honored the Jews. For the fear of Mordecai lay upon them. For the order of the king was enforced that he should be celebrated in all the kingdom. And in the city Susa, the Jews killed 500 men. Both and all these names I can't even, even start to pronounce. Uh, let's just go to verse and the ten sons of Haman, the son of Amadorius, the Bagorian, the Macedonian, the enemy of the Jews, and they plundered their property on the same day. And the number of them that perished in Susa was rendered to the king. And the king said to Hadassah, The Jews have slain five hundred men in the city of Susa. And how, think you, have they? Use them in the rest of the country. What then do you yet ask? That it may be done for you. And Hadassah said to the king, Let it be granted to the Jews, so to treat them tomorrow as to hand the ten to hang, or to hand—not for sure there, probably hang the ten sons of Haman. Right. verse nine through fourteen.
3: You write it down
2: to check it out later. Probably hang. 9.14 or 9.13. That's
4: 9.13. Okay. The ten sons of Haman. Verse 14, he permitted it to be done
2: so. So he gave up the Jews of the cities, the bodies of the sons of Haman to be hanged. And verse 15, the Jews assembled in Susa on the 14th day of Adar and killed 500 men but plundered no prosperity. And the rest of the Jews who were in the kingdom assembled. (coughs) No no property, it says. And the rest of the Jews who were in the kingdom assembled and helped one another and obtained rest from their enemies. For they destroyed 15,000 of them on the 13th day of Adar but took no spoil. And they rested on the 14th of the same month and kept it as a day of rest with joy and gladness. And the Jews in the city of Susa assembled also on the 14th day and rested, and they kept also the 15th day with joy and gladness. On this account then, it is that the Jews dispersed in every foreign land Keep the fourteenth of Adar as a holy day with joy and sending portions or gifts to each of his neighbors. That's just what they, was doing. they were doing, their custom, that's what they decided to do. And Mordecai wrote these things in a book and sent them to the Jews, as many as were in the kingdom of Akash Barosh, both uh, each to his neighbor both to them that were near and far, that were far off, to establish these as joyful days, to keep the 14th and the 15th of Adar, the 12th month of the year, which usually occurs in February, March, in the Roman calendar. So, several different verses, you've heard about the 13th day, the 14th day, the 15th day, and it gets kind of confusion about which, exactly which days. But this verse, is the official decree and the bottom line. Verse 21 makes it very clear exactly which days that we celebrate. So we read verse 21 one more time. To establish these as joyful days, to keep the 14th and the 15th of Adar, I'll put in my note the 12th month of the year which usually occurs in February, March in the Roman calendar. Verse 22, And on these days the Jews obtained rest from their enemies. And as to the month, which is Adar, in which a change was made for them, from mourning to joy, mourning to joy, and from sorrow to a good day, to spend the whole of it in good days of feasting and gladness and sending portions to their friends and to the poor. And the Jews consented to this accordingly, as Mordecai wrote to them, showing how Haman the son of Amadeus, the Macedonian, fought against them, how he made a decree and cast lots to destroy them utterly. Also, how he went in to the king, telling him to hang Mordecai. But all the calamities he tried to bring upon the Jews came upon himself, and he was hanged and his children. Therefore these days were called perm because of the loss. For in their language they are called Pern because of the words of this letter and because of all that they suffered on this account and all that happened to them. And then in the notes, there it says perm is an Syrian aromatic word. The Greek Hebrew translation would be however you would pronounce that. But it doesn't matter. These are just words. These are just letters. We're not talking about the name of God. So if we pronounce some words wrongfully, it's not no big deal. Verse 27, and Mordecai established it. And the Jews took upon themselves and upon their seed and upon those that were joined to them, not just the Jews, but those also that are joined to them. Those that bless them should be blessed. Those that curse them should be cursed. Those that rejoice with them shall rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. So we join ourselves to them in memory of this very extremely important historical occasion that has great foreshadowing for our day and our time and lessons for our children that we need to be teaching them. Rather than comic books, rather than TV and Hollywood, this is what our children need to be learning. These are stories greater than Superman. These are true stories and not lies. We have no need to make up stories when we have such great stories and great abundance abundance with great lessons that will stick with them and their generations. And upon those that were joined to them to observe it, neither in verse twenty seven, neither would they on any account behave differently, but these days would be to a memorial kept in every generation and every city and every family and province. And the note says, Not just for the Jews, but also to anyone who celebrates the victory that Jesus gives of good over evil. Verse twenty-eight, and these days of the parent said they shall be kept forever, and their memorial. Shall not fail in any generation. And Queen Hadasha, the daughter of Amadad, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote all that they had done and the confirmation of the letter of parents. And Mordecai and Hadasha, the queen, appointed a fast for themselves privately, even at that time, also having formed their plan against their own health. Uh, And verse 32, Anadash established it by command forever and it was written for a memorial. We should not
4: forget perm. Babylon
2: wants you to forget perm. The Assyrian, Babylonian, Greek, Macedonian empire that is established with these steeples on top of them on every street corner, they want you to forget perm. God does not want you to forget. That's why it's written in the Scriptures. God does not want you to forget. That is why it's written in the Scriptures. We keep this day as a memorial that we are the people of God. All of us, regardless of color, race, decree, language, if we serve Jesus Christ, our King, we are in common, a common thread. Of servants of the citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the same enemies that tried to defeat and destroy the Jews, Mordecai and Esther, are the same enemies we're fighting today. The exact same enemy of the Greek Macedonian evil demons and of the Iranian, Persian, and Muslim Nazi. Commonest 666 people. For those are the multitudes of the Antichrist. And anybody and everybody that says that Jesus is not God, they too are our enemy. They are. And they have the mark of the beast.
4: Let perm separate us from the heathen. Let
2: perm separate us from the pagans. Amen. Let them have their days. We will have our days and parents, in the eyes of God even though it may not be long.
4: It is written in our hearts. Let us serve the Lord with gladness
2: and celebration on this historical day of battle. Amen? Praise God. The war is not over. This same war that was raging then, thousands of years ago, is still raging now. Our generation will see bloody flesh and blood battles. We will see the tanks, the soldiers, and the missiles, the helicopters, and the planes. We will hear the explosions. We need days like this to help us remember that we are going to be given the victory if we stand fast and do not give up and do not turn around, but keep our integrity, keep our honor, serve the Lord, and never, ever, ever compromise with the truth. Speak boldly at the right time. Keep your mouth closed until the time is right. Then speak it according to the word of the
4: Lord and not your own gibberish. Amen. Stand in the truth and God
2: will stand for you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of Perm today and tomorrow. With gladness and with feasting. And perhaps next year, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps next year, maybe we can uh, send gifts to people. Uh, And also remember Feast of Tabernacles coming up in October. Remember Passover coming up next month and the days of unleavened bread. All these things you can read about at isawthelagministries.com. I welcome you to listen again next week and every week at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. A special shout-out to Sister Connie, Brother AJ, Sister Lisa, and Sister Harris, and many other brothers and sisters across the world. Uh, I do want to do a special announcement as well. I've not put on the newsletter yet that our brother Johnny in San Diego has agreed to host a gathering of believers there in the San Diego, California area. And so I'll be putting that hopefully on the website newsletter, uh, hopefully sometime today. That the people in that uh, area of Southern California, San Diego region. If anybody in that area wants to gather together for services and fellowship, it will be an outdoor gathering just like we used to do before we rented this building a year ago. We used to have services in the public parks for years. And, uh, and so they'll be doing that there as well. So the locations now for gatherings is, uh, is now including not only Greenville, Tennessee, but San Diego, California. Uh, Lake Placid, New York uh, Port Lincoln, Australia uh, Seoul, South Korea so we praise God how he is moving he's raising up men of God and women of God he's raising up the the lowly and, and, and bringing up true ministers, true people and people who are willing to submit themselves to the Lord and to God's will, people who see the need in their communities to provide a service to those people, a fellowship to those people, a helping hand to anybody in their community that is truly willing to seek the truth and acknowledge and accept the truth that people are starting to rise up, to reach a hand out in help and servitude and love to allow other people to have a place to assemble. That is God's will. And it's God's will to have appointed, designated days of worship, rest, and celebration. That's the way every government works. And God's government is no different than that. We do have days of appointed, celebration, rest, and so forth. Well, thank you again for listening. And until next time, may Jesus bless you in amazing ways.
4: All this in Jesus' name. Amen. Plus.